Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Some of those guys have some moves. <laughs> if I tried to do that, I put my back out. <laughs> Great job, guys. Great job. Just a creative way to be able to use different, uh, different gifts for the Lord. Amen? Amen. <laughs> On September 5th, 1886, Charles Spurgeon, a famous pastor, had a sermon. On the text that we're going to look at today in the book of Haggai chapter 2, and this is where his words, this is what he came away saying. He said this, Satan is always doing his utmost to stay the work of God. He hindered these Jews from building the temple, and today he endeavors to hinder people of God from spreading the gospel. He goes on to say, a spiritual temple is to be builded for the Most High, and if by any means the evil one can delay its uprising for the glory of God, he will sure do it. He is from, excuse me, he is very cunning. And he knows how to change his argument and yet keep his design. Little care he has, excuse me, little cares he how he works so long as he can hurt the cause of God. How many know that's what the enemy tries to do? The enemy wants to keep the cause of God from moving forward. The enemy wants to keep what God has put inside of our hearts, what God has commanded us to do, what God is moving and building. The enemy will do whatever he can to try to keep that from happening. He has many weapons in his arsenal, doesn't he? One time he might use greed, another time anger or malice or false accusation. Another time he might use lust or evil desires or the temptation or, or, or revenge. But in all of his weapons, I don't know that there's anyone that is sharper than one called discouragement. If only he can get us as believers, we as believers, to despair over our efforts, then the battle has already been won by him. And so today, if you're discouraged, I want to encourage you to pay attention today because this message is for you. If you're hurting in your life right now, if you, if you are struggling, and, uh, then my prayer today is that the Lord will speak to you. We're in the second part of this three-part series that we're in called The Time Is Now. We've been looking at this very small Old Testament book by the minor prophet uh, Haggai. He was, he was not minor in terms of a lesser prophet, but simply he wrote at a later period of time and did not write as much content as some of the others. And so the Bible calls those small little books right before you get to the New Testament, if you go and start in Matthew and you go backwards into the Old Testament, those short little books are called minor prophets. And so Haggai was writing during a time when uh, the people of Israel who had been in captivity had been released to come back to Jerusalem. They'd been released to come back and to begin life all over again. And so what we have here in the book of Haggai, if you missed it last week, is that there was a time in Israel's history where King Solomon had built a temple. 
and he had built this beautiful temple. It was inlaid with all kinds of gold. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was stunning. And as he stood there with, with the temple, he prayed, and the dedication of the temple, the presence of the Lord came and inhabited that place. And the worship of God was birthed back again in Jerusalem. From the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant was then brought back and moved and housed there, the very presence of God. But how many know that over time, sometimes idolatry takes over? Sometimes we have a shift in our worship and we begin to move away from the worship of God. And that's what happened with Israel. They moved away from the worship of God. They started to worship other idols. And as a result, God wanted to get their attention. And so he allowed the Babylonians to come in and to take them captive. And in that process, when they did, they came in and they destroyed the temple that Solomon had built. Literally saying that you do not have an identity in God any longer. Find your identity in us in the world. But how many know that God is always calling a remnant back? Even in the midst of when people have turned, when it seems like everything is falling apart, God calls a remnant back. And there was a remnant that after 70 years, 50 years of being exiled, 70 in total, he began to move upon the heart of an Assyrian king as they took over Babylon. And that Assyrian king said, go back. And he released people to go back to Israel. And one of the first things they started to do was to rebuild the temple. And, we, and they, they started to build the foundation of the temple. And we read this last week in Haggai chapter 1. They started with the foundation. But then all of a sudden something happened. The Samaritans and others that were around didn't like what they were doing and started to oppose them. And how many know that opposition can begin to bring discouragement and stay the work of God? When you're moving in the work of God, how many of you know that when you begin to face opposition, it can be easy to quit? And they started to quit, and instead they began to focus on their own homes. They began to focus on their own priorities, on trying to get things right personally for them, and their priorities were out of whack. And so the prophet Haggai comes in chapter 1 and he begins to call the people back by telling them, listen, you keep focusing on your own homes, but now is the time. Now is the time to get back to the worship of God. Now is the time to make God and the worship of God the priority. And the way to do that was to rebuild the temple. Let's get back to what we started. And last week we said, now is the time. Now is the time. So God raised up the prophet Haggai to call the people back to the task, to not just focus on their houses, but focus on God's house. And the theme, again, putting God first, and it's with this context in mind that, we, that I want to look at the end of chapter 1 and then move into chapter 2 today. Haggai 1, 13 and 14. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. Get this, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shelatiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, and they came and began to work on the house of the Lord their God. Notice in this first message as they began to respond, and the Lord makes a promise. He says, I am with you. I am with you. How encouraging is that? 
I am with you. It also says that, that he stirred up the spirit of, of the governor, Zerubbabel, and, 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 and he stirred up the spirit of the high priest, Joshua, and he stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant of people. How many of you know that's what God often does in our life, isn't it? As followers of Jesus Christ, how many know that God oftentimes will stir something up in us? There is a work that he is calling us to do, and there's a stirring inside of us, and he will stir in us to do the work of the Lord. He gave them a sense of faith. He put something in their mind. He put something in their heart. They were supposed to rebuild the temple. He stirred up their spirits. And for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, sometimes he will give us a special measure of faith for something he is calling us to. He will stir something inside of us for what he is calling us to do. In this case, the people came together to work on the house of the Lord. They were stirred up and they said, we can do this. We can do this together. We can build a temple for the Lord. We can do this. But guess what happened? A month went by. Just a month. Just one month. A month went by and pretty soon what was stirred up inside of them, what they started to do, began to wane yet again and they quit. You ever been there before? You ever been stirred up for something? Maybe, maybe you've been stirred up because you take a look at your, your finances and something happens and you say, you know what, we really need to get out of debt. We really got to get our finances in order. And so what do you do? You sit down and, and, and I'm not going to call it a budget, we'll call it a spending plan. You sit down and, and you begin to figure out a spending plan. If you're married, maybe you get together and you say, we got to do something about this, right? We got, so, so you read a bunch of Dave Ramsey books or you read a bunch of Thriving Financial or something else and you, you, start, to, you start to get all excited and you're stirred up and we're going to do it and you, you make a plan and, and then, I don't know, you, you're doing good for about a week, two weeks and then the car breaks down or, or you get a bill you didn't expect or something happens and all of a sudden you kind of get what, discouraged and a month goes by and you go, you know what, we really tried. We were working, we were trying, we were, we were and I don't know, I just, we just can't do, it's just impossible, I give up. Anybody ever been there before? Okay, maybe not with finances, but, but maybe like me, you step on that scale or you look in the mirror and you go, oh man, something's got to change, right? And so you get all stirred up and you go, I'm, I'm going to do something. And you get all excited and you research all kind of healthy foods and, and, and you decide you're going to go to the health food store, the health food section, and you're going to buy all these healthy things. You're going to go to Rainbow Farms and buy all their vegetables so that you can eat nice and healthy right? Come on. I'm giving a plug here. You know, that's coming up, right? Season's coming up. And you get, you get all excited, you know what I'm saying? And you're going to eat right, and, and you get a gym membership, man. You just join that new Planet Fitness, and you're all excited, right? And you got a plan, and you get out there, and you start going, and you get going, and man, it's good. And then a week later, too, you step on the scale, and nothing has changed. I spent all this money. I'm trying all this work. I haven't even lost one pound. In fact, I think I gained a little. How did that happen? Right? Ah, this isn't worth it. I quit. And that's kind of the place. It could be any kind of thing. Yeah, you could stir it up to, to get yourself right with the Lord. You know, I'm going to start a reading plan on that U version, right? I'm going to get myself a reading plan. And you start out, and man, you get all, you're so excited. I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year, Right? And you get started, and you're all excited, and then all of a sudden, you get to Leviticus, and you're like, what is this? I just can't do it. Ew, yuck. I mean, they're talking about the priest, and he's got a, the, 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 oh, the sore. I'm not going to get into that. We'll all be sick. 
right? I mean, there are times we get so excited about something. God stirs in our heart, and that's not a bad thing. But we get in, and stuff isn't happening. Things aren't changing. I'm going to give my life to the Lord. Everything's going to be okay. God's going to be on track. And things just get harder rather than better. Has that ever happened to anybody? And you get discouraged, and you say, you know what? That church attendance thing, I could do better things with my Sunday. You know that Bible reading thing? I could do other, I, I, that's just, I, and we get discouraged. Let me tell you something. The enemy wants to discourage you. That's where the people of God were at. That's where they were at. They, they had been stirred up, and one month after they had gotten stirred up, they were right back to where they were before. Why? Because of discouragement. And so today I want to talk to you in this past about three truths about perseverance, persevering in discouragement. How to persevere in discouragement. I want to give you three truths from this passage today. Number one, God understands and cares about the discouragement we face in serving Him. I mean, God understands the discouragement. He gets it. Haggai chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. So this is the second message he's preaching again. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shelatiel, governor of Judah, to Jehozadak, uh, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Notice the Lord doesn't, doesn't gloss over and ignore the reality of the situation. He, he knew what they were thinking. He knew what they were feeling. He, 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 he brings it up to them and shows them that he says, listen, I, I can identify. I know what you're thinking. I know the questions you're asking yourself. How many know that sometimes discouragement comes just simply by the questions you start asking yourself? You ask yourself. You have an internal dialogue. It's not necessarily from the outside. Sometimes it's the internal dialogue that begins. And he says, listen, there's some very real things. I'm not going to deny the truth. Who of you that, that way before you saw what was happening, and now you look and you are discouraged because of some internal dialogue. You look at the pile of rubble that's before you, and it just brings back the pain of the past. As you're getting in to rebuild, you've got to clean some things up. And as you get in to clean some things up, you just find yourself going, this is just overwhelming. And this is just a reminder of how we weren't serving the Lord and the judgment that came. And sometimes we just get discouraged. I want to tell you something. The Lord cares. The Lord cares about where you're at. The Lord cares about the discouragement you face. He understands and knows that sometimes it's overwhelming when you have to try to get in and deal with some of the stuff, some of the choices right? Some of the things that have happened are outside of our control, but let's be honest. Sometimes when the Lord begins to stir us up, we've got to take an honest look at what we did that contributed to the problem, and that can be discouraging. As you begin to take a look, as you begin to look at the pile uh, of rubble, and you look at the things, and you begin to think back to the decisions that were made before, and the consequences, and the pain of the past, and the hurt, you can become disappointed. But God is saying to the people, listen, who of you is left that saw this house in its former glory? I understand. I get it. I am there with you, and I care. I care. If we do not keep in mind that in all of our troubles, the Lord understands and cares, we can become easily discouraged. The text in this historical context here reveals three potential sources of discouragement, and we see that here. There, there are some sources, and there are many more than this, but there are three that I see in this passage this morning. The first is pessimism. Pessimism. 
pessimism. There's optimists and there's pessimists, right? Half glass, half full, half glass, half empty. It's, it's kind of in, in how you look at it. It's kind of in your, your view of things. And they said, we tried that before and it won't work. They laid the foundation years before, 14 years before, and, 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 and they were thinking back to the way the temple used to be. And you know what? We tried that and it didn't work. In fact, we get a glimpse in the history book of Ezra chapter 3, 11 through 13. We get a, another look at this from a different angle, a little more detail into what's going on. And it says this, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good and his love endures forever. Boy, that sounds like our service this morning. You are good, right? You are good. You are good. And your love and mercy endures. I don't know whichever was. Something endures forever we sang this morning. I'm already up here and I can't remember. But we sing that, right? He is good. So there they are. They're singing to the Lord. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to God because the foundation of the Lord was laid. See, this was 14 years before this message. Before Many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid. While many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish between the shouts of joy and the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. See, the, the young people who didn't know the former glory of the temple, they were all excited. We're going to rebuild something. We're, gonna, we're doing something. Look at the foundation we laid. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. But the folks that had been around, the folks that had been there 70, 75 years before captivity, before the temple had been destroyed, they take a look at the foundation. And just at the very foundation before the rest, they go, boy, this doesn't look anything like it used to. I remember the good old days. I remember the way it was. Don't you remember back when we used to have those Sunday night, all night prayer meetings in the temple and everybody used to flood the altars and they used to be there for hours and it would hours and hours and hours and hours and we just don't do that anymore. I just, this just doesn't work. Oops, ouch. I've heard that before. That's not in the text, but I can tell you that there's some pessimism that says today's just not like it was then. We just don't have people like we had then that were leading us. We just, people aren't as hungry as they were. They got all this and they got all that. And, and rebuilding, trying to get back to that, trying to get back to what the, what? <laughs> it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Pastor, it's just not going to happen. It's a different day and age. Pastor, it's not going to happen. There's just too many things. Pastor, it's just not going to happen. Or it's just not, you're going to ministry, they're all excited. It's just not going to happen. It's pessimism. Pessimism. They were weeping. You couldn't distinguish the sound of weeping from the sound of joy. Why? Because some were saying, oh, it's just not what it was. And others were saying, well, praise the Lord, we got something built. And the pessimism overcame the optimism. And I'm going to tell you something, friends. Pessimism will bring discouragement. Pessimism will bring discouragement. When all you see is the negative and all you see is that we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do that. It's a bad idea. It won't work. We tried that before. It brings discouragement. You know what else brings discouragement? Comparison. In our wonderful social media world, this one just, <laughs> you can't get away from this one. 
You get out there on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or I don't know what else is out there now that's the Twitter, the new coolest thing that's out there now. And you just get to see like everything everybody else is doing. You get to see their highlight reel, what their family did and this recital and that thing they built and that house and this, this and that. And they got to go on this vacation and this trip. And, and I can tell you from a pastor perspective, you get to, you get to hear all about the, the churches like Elevation Worship. And, and you know, we had like 5,000 get saved at our Easter service. And I'm like, I think we had like two. Oh, man. And you stop celebrating what God does because you start comparing to other things. And that's what they started. They started comparing. They, they were looking at, 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 the, at the foundation and they're going, oh, this doesn't even look like what it used to look like. It doesn't look like Solomon's in comparison to Solomon's. This is, this is nothing. This is nothing. Man, incredibly discouraged what happens when we start to compare ourselves. We look around and we go, oh man, look at that person. They got a great job, amazing car, fantastic house. And, and, and you know, I thought by this point my life would be better. I thought I, I, and they have that and I don't have that. I'm serving the Lord. They're not serving the Lord and they get all this. And I'm really serving God and they're not serving. Look at all they got. And man, I just, I, I, I hate my job, you know? I mean, I don't understand. They got a great job. Man, I got a great car. My car barely runs. Man, they live in a great neighborhood. I'm running in a terrible neighborhood and I can barely make ends meet. You know, maybe you're a lady and you look and you go, oh man, look at their kids. Man, they, they got it all together. They're like, they're like, they got all matching outfits. They're like all matchy matchy. You know, they, they came in on Mother's Day and they got it all put together and their kids are all marching a little line and they're all dressed so nice. And man, oh man, it's just, yeah, I mean, I, 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 look at that. I mean, they, they, go to, they go to school and then rather than just them like the prepackaged, their mommy bakes baked goods every day and puts it in there and they got these fresh baked goods every day in their lunch, right? I mean, and then she snaps a picture of it, puts it on Facebook next to her devotions and her coffee. Because, I mean, just got it all together. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look at that. They, their kids are in college credit plus in fifth grade. They're graduating already from college. I just don't understand. My kids, man, they, they're barely dressed. I don't even know if they walked out the door with pants on today. You know, I don't even think they're even... I'm just hoping they're, they're going to pass PE this year. <laughs> right? I'm telling you, sometimes we look and we compare and we're like, man, they got it all together. I'm just a massive loser. Look at me. I mean, I got nothing. <laughs> right? Comparisons. And today, worse than ever, I just think everybody puts everything out there and you start comparison. And, and the problem is, 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 is they, were, they were looking at the finished product rather than the, they were comparing their start with somebody else's finish. And too many times we're comparing the wrong things. We, we compare our start with somebody else's finish. We compare our lives with somebody else's highlight reel. You don't know the other stuff that's going on. We're all broken people. I mean, we just, we come up against these things and comparison brings discouragement. You know, I, I think of a, a passage of scripture, John chapter 21. Uh, this was after Jesus had risen from the dead and he came and they were out fishing and, and he, he called, they were, he was on the shore making and they came back and he says to Peter, a little interesting exchange, he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know I do. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. 
Three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And then he finally tells Peter, and he he says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted, but when you're old, you stretch out your hands, someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter, this is your future, follow me. Do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Here's your future, follow me. And you know what's interesting? It's interesting how Peter reacts next. It's interesting because what Peter reacts next is he looks, he looks over at another disciple. He looks over at John and he says, okay, if that's my future, what about him? What about him? You know how Jesus responds? Oh man, are you ready for this? Brace yourself on this Memorial Day. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? It's none of your business. You follow me. Don't worry about John. You follow me. Don't worry about George. Which George and Nance are celebrating their anniversary this weekend. So if you see them, wish them a happy birthday. What is that? What is that to you? Jesus says, you know what? When it comes to comparison, I'm not obligated to treat you exactly how I treat somebody else. Stick that in your theology about the love for God. God is not fair. Can I just say that? You can tweet that out if you want. God is not fair. You'll get all kinds of, uh, you'll, you'll get all kinds of people that don't even believe in God that'll jump on that bandwagon. Amen! They won't even say amen, but you know, amen. They may even say amen, even though they don't say that. They, they'll jump all up. God is not fair. You know why? Because if God was fair, we'd all get what we deserve. Hold up your hands. Do you got nail scars? Look at your feet. Look at your side. Did you take on the sins of the world? God is not fair, and you ought to thank him for that. And that means he's not obligated to treat everybody the same way. So he may give Johnny one thing, and he may give you something else. Ask that to the, to the, the people with the talents. He gave some five. He gave some two. He gave one. One. Not all of us get the same talents. Not all of us get the same thing. But all of us are called to follow him. We are responsible for what was in our hands and what he is stirring in our spirit to do. But as long as you compare it to somebody else, you will get discouraged and you won't continue on with what God has called you to do. We've got to put away discouragement. What is that to you? Pessimism, comparisons contribute heavily to discouragement. But there's one more. Sometimes we get discouraged because of lack of progress. They're like, we're one month into this thing and it's just not going like we thought. We don't seem to be getting anywhere. All we keep doing is moving rubble, moving rubble, moving rubble, moving rubble. We don't seem to be making any progress. There's, there's just not much happening here. I, I don't understand it. I thought we'd be further along. I, I don't understand. We're working hard. We're working hard. We're sweating. We're trying. I'm not losing any weight. I'm not gaining anything in my finances. I, I don't understand. I'm not getting, seeming to, it's not getting any better in my marriage. It's not getting any better in my family relationships. I just keep trying and trying and trying. And no matter how hard I try, I'm not getting anywhere that's where they were like lack of progress when you don't get somewhere as fast as you think you should when you're not when you don't get the raise when you don't when you don't get the position when things don't start getting easy 
thought it'd be easier by now. I'm giving my life to Jesus, and he's the mighty one, right? He, he has all the strength, and how come I don't get any of that? How come, I'm not, how come my health isn't getting fa- better any faster? Why do I keep having to go through this? Lack of progress will bring discouragement, and that, that's where they were. Lack of progress. They, they just weren't getting anywhere. It was, it was hard to overcome. There, there were just things that were happening, and they weren't seeing anything. They were, they were comparing to the former temple, and the pessimism was letting them to, to get discouraged. And they were comparing, and it's getting discouraged. And man, we're worrying. This, this just takes a long time. I thought we'd go a little quicker by now. I don't understand. See, they view success as an, with an instant view instead of an eternal view. None of the workers on this temple lived to see what the promises were, that the glory would exceed Solomon's temple. That's what the Lord is telling them. If you read down through chapter 2, you'll see that he's going to say that the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. The latter glory will be greater than the former glory. But guess what? They weren't able to see it because it wasn't happening right now. Their view wasn't eternal. Their view was instant. You see, that didn't happen until the Messiah came into this temple 500 years later. He came. He came and marched into Jerusalem, and many of them missed it. God says, you know, one more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens. In verse 6, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea, and also the dry land. And while they've been there, that was a, maybe a partial prophecy where they saw some things kind of move around in, in their day. They didn't see what was coming. And friends, we haven't seen yet what is coming. There is a greater glory that is coming. There is a greater glory to this promise that is coming. And that's at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he, his presence, when we live in his presence, when we are there and the glory of God is all around us. See, there's an eternal there's an eternal value. There's something eternal. The, pe- the people of Haggai's day were viewing success in the short range, and so many times we get discouraged because we are not looking at the eternal. We are looking at the now, the day, the now, the day, right now, right now, right? We're looking at rights in front of us. And we're not looking at the eternity. And we get discouraged because we don't think that we're making the progress we thought we ought to make, and it's not happening. Friends, pull back and get an eternal view. They got discouraged, but with God, a thousand years is as a day. Boy, oh boy, I don't know if that's encouraging or not. <laughs> a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years. God, you said it was going to happen today. A day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. Oh, my goodness. If you're Abraham, you're like, God, you said you'd give us a son. Years and years later, until he was 100 years old and his wife was 99, did the promise get fulfilled. 75 when he started out. 25 years later, tell that to David, who at 18 was crowned king, 16, 18, I don't know, somewhere in there, and it wasn't until he was 30 that he actually was the king of, actually was fulfilled. Tell that to Joseph, that at 18 years of age, there he was, he was stuck, Potiphar's, stuck in Egypt, he was a slave, Stuck in jail, progress, progress. It wasn't until he was 30 that, that God actually fulfilled the vision and the dream that he had given him. It doesn't happen right away. You get discouraged when it's instant, but you've got to continue to follow. Follow me. You follow me. You follow me. You follow me. True success is measured in light of eternity, not in our lifetimes. Whatever our source of discouragement, God understands and he cares, but he doesn't coddle us and let us stay there. 
doesn't let us stay there. Secondly, three truths about how to persevere. Secondly, God's word to us when we are discouraged and serving him is to persevere, persevere, persevere. Haggai 2.4, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all the people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Three times, three times he uses these two words, be strong. Another way to say it is take courage. Take courage. He tells him to work, to keep going, to persevere. And this kind of perseverance has two, two factors to it, two aspects to it. One is an attitude, having a right attitude, and the other is a right action. Let's look about right attitude. Be strong. The people had the wrong attitude. They gotten weak because they got their focus off the Lord and onto the slow, disappointing progress of the temple. And maybe we were thinking, man, this is never going to get done. We're just wasting our time. How many of you know that our attitude, our attitude really greatly affects our ability to persevere? Our, our, our a- attitude is huge. Attitude in situations is, is huge. If, if you're motivated because you're excited and you have the right attitude about a project, you can stay up all night to work on that project because you're motivated, right? You're motivated, but if you get discouraged, guess what happens in discouragement? You start to procrastinate. When you, get, when you get discouraged, you procrastinate. You put it off. I don't want to do that. It's too much. I, I don't have it. Right? We, we procrastinate. We procrastinate. You know, I think we're too far emotionally fragile in this country. Someone offends us. We get our feelings hurt. We're just ready to drop out. Someone doesn't do what we expected. We're ready to quit. Someone criticizes us for what we're doing. I'm out of here. I'm not, I'm not staying put. I don't have to take this. It's my right. They have the right to treat me that way. They have the right to do that to me. Who do they think they are? I don't have to take this. I'm an American. I have my rights. Come on. I don't need to stay in. They disagree with me. They don't, they don't think like I think. They don't. I'll go, I'm going to go hang out with people that appreciate me. All my gifts and talents. Right? I better stop. I'm getting a little out of control. I might be a little tired. What's he say? Be strong. 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 You know, I'm going I'm to tell you something. When it comes to, when it comes, I'll just talk about it in church circles. When it comes to church, when it comes to church, let's just be honest. When it comes to church, churches go through things, don't they? Sometimes, sometimes there are good seasons, sometimes there are bad seasons. Sometimes there are fruitful seasons, sometimes there are seasons where you're sowing and you're like them and it just doesn't seem like there's any progress. And you know, oftentimes we can start eating at each other. You know what I'm saying? And over the years, the history of this church it has not always been good. Can we just agree to that? Those of you that have been around to see the former glory, can you just agree to that? There was a former glory. It's not always easy, right? And you know, I just watched. And sometimes it's easy just to jump ship. I'm going to jump on the latest and greatest. Rather than work through it, I'm going to go and jump on the latest and greatest. You know what? I, I, I come from a family that started a church in, in Boardman, Ohio. It was called Calvary Assembly of God. That church went through all kinds of things. Went through People came and people went. My grandparents who helped start the church, they stayed through it all. My mom who was there stayed through it all. 
the good, the bad, the ugly, the everything. But they said, this is our church family and we're staying through it. Be strong. There are certain things that you need to stay in. Sometimes we don't see the miracle that God wants to do because we jump off too quick. He says, be strong and take courage. Your attitude is extremely important. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Have the right attitude. Where's the strength? The strength doesn't come from myself. The strength comes from finding it in God. David strengthened himself in the Lord. Remember the 12 spies? They went in the land of Canaan. Ten of them came back focused on the giants in the land. Oh, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Oh, my goodness, terrible. My attitude is just awful because I look and all I can see is the bigness of everybody that's in there. Oh, it's terrible. Then you have Joshua and Caleb. And what do they see? The greatness of their God. They remember back to the God who in Egypt, plague after plague after plague after plague, took a slave people that were not a people that had nothing and set them free, divided the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry ground miracle after miracle after miracle and if our God has promised us then we can take anything oh no the ten spies oh no the other ten oh there were like grasshoppers grasshopper you know we can't we can't do it it's too big we can't we can't do it what attitude you know the attitude of the 10 spies, or you can have the attitude of Joshua and Caleb, you know what, God has promised that land, and if he's promised us, we're gonna eat them for lunch. Something like, we wanna get to lunch, pastor, come on, wrap it up, it's like five to 12, get moving. Be strong, not only is attitude important, be strong, but you know what, action is important. He says work. <laughs> be strong, all you people of the Lord, declares the Lord, and work. Work, sometimes we want God to do it all for us. He says work. Man, there was a curse that came after sin, a curse on the ground. It didn't produce. He said, out of the sweat of your brow, by the thorns and the thistles, guess what? That's work. It's going to be work. It's not going to come easy. It's going to be work. The attitude provides the motivation, but the motivation without the work won't get the temple built. Joshua and Caleb had the right attitude to trust the Lord, but they still had to go into the land and fight the giants. The promised land wasn't just handed over. They had to fight some battles. You're going to have to work. There's going to be some work. Much of the Lord's work is far more perspiration than inspiration. That's not my quote. I don't know who wrote it, but I liked it. Be strong. Be strong and work. And number three, because I'm running out of time. God assures us when we're discouraged in serving him by his presence and his promise. His presence this is what he tells him, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. For I am with you. I am with you, the supreme ruler, ruler over the armies of heaven and earth. The host of the Lord is with us. Who can defeat us? If we're serving him, then nothing can happen without his permission. The assurance of the presence of the Lord ought to lift discouragement and enable us to press on. It enables us to press on. After many years of hardship and danger in Africa, missionary David Livingston received an honorary doctorate from the University of Glasgow. On that occasion, he said, would you like me to tell you what supported me through all the years of exile among a people whose language I could not understand and whose attitude towards me was always uncertain and hostile? It was this, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. On those words, I staked everything and they never failed. 
Are you discouraged today? You need to recognize the presence of the Lord. Lo, I am with you always. His presence will bring you encouragement. His presence will bring you strength. You get into his presence. You get into his presence and you begin to say, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not only his presence, but his promise. And he refers in verse 5 to the covenant that he had made with Egypt. And now he promises them that that same spirit would go with them and abide in their midst. Therefore, they don't need to fear. How many know that God has, has made a better covenant with us? There's the old covenant, but through Jesus Christ, there was a new covenant. Hebrews 8, 6 says, but in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. The promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid for those promises by his very blood. The promise of the indwelling Holy Spirit in John 14, 6 says that it will be with us forever. When we grow discouraged, we've got to remember his promise that he does not leave us as orphans, but instead he comes and he has given us his Holy Spirit and abides in us and we are children of God. The Lord says he will fill this house with glory. The latter glory will be greater than the former. How could Zerubbabel's temple be better than Solomon's? Why? Why? Herod replaced the temple. Certainly there were more glorious buildings. The disciples, when they walked by, oh, look at this amazing temple. And Jesus is like, no, no, one stone isn't going to even remain on another. Why? Because he's talking about his presence the presence of the King of Kings. You see, Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. And when we are in the millennial reign of Christ, when we are there, there is a greater glory that we will experience than we have now. And in Revelation 21, 22, the new heavens and the new earth says there'll be no temple for the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb are its temple. That's a promise from the Lord. When you get discouraged, you need to realize the promises of eternity and you need to begin to hang on to those promises. The battle is tough, but be encouraged. Jesus promised that one day we would forever be in his presence. Let me close with this story. One of the most remarkable examples of Christian persevering in the work of the Lord is Wilbur Wilberforce, or William Wilberforce, excuse me, of England. He was converted in 1785, and two years later, he gave, he gave this notice to the House of Commons where he served that he would bring a motion for the abolition of the slave trade. And this was huge. It was a hugely lucrative business at that time. It brought much income to the British economy. The British plantations in the West Indies depended on slave labor for their profit. Owning slaves was a a strong cultural institution, and so it was an enormous task to undertake. Numerous times, Wilberforce's life was threatened. There was political pressure to back down because of the international political ramifications. For example, if Britain outlawed slavery, then the West Indian colonies threatened to declare independence from Britain and associate with the United States, which allowed slavery. But in spite of all of these obstacles, Wilberforce persevered. Finally, on March 25th, 1807, after 20 years of setbacks, Wilberforce prevailed when the House voted to outlaw the slave trade. But the battle wasn't over. Wilberforce battled on for the next 26 years until his death to abolish not only the slave trade, but slavery itself. The decisive vote came on July 26, 1833, three days before Wilberforce died. After 46 years of battle, slavery itself was outlawed in the British Empire. But he wasn't just a one-issue man. 
He was heavily involved in a number of missionary endeavors and many social causes. He worked to alleviate hard child labor conditions, agricultural reform, prison reform, and prevented the cruelty of animals. And he continually sought to win his colleagues to a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He persevered. Now, I don't know about any of us racking up that quite record, but God is stirring something in your heart. And some of you, God has stirred something up and you started well, but you've quit. And you need to persevere. God is calling us to persevere. He's stirring us up because he has given us a work to do for his kingdom. And he says, now is the time. Now is the time. I'm stirring it up for now. Don't quit. Be strong and do the work. Let's persevere in what God has called us to. (laughs) Worship team, why don't you come and close us out this morning. If you're discouraged and you're ready to give up, the Lord wants to encourage you to persevere for his glory. Hang on and be strong, not in your own power, but in the power of his might and the Holy Spirit and keep on working. I'm telling you, friends, breakthrough is coming. Breakthrough is coming if we will hang on and not give up. Breakthrough is coming. How do I know that? Because the Lord keeps his promises. The Lord keeps his promises. Let's bow our heads this morning. Are you discouraged this morning? There might be something that's just been really bringing a discouragement to your life. You've just been battling and maybe you've just gotten discouraged. Maybe it's been comparison, maybe lack of progress. Maybe uh, you've just been taking in what other people have been saying. Oh, that'll never work. Oh, you can't do that. Whatever it is, but you just have found yourself discouraged. And you'd say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm discouraged today. And I need the Lord's encouragement in my life. I'm discouraged today. Will you slip up your hand if that's you? Pastor, pray for me. I'm discouraged today. I'm discouraged and I just need the Lord. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Father, you see these hands today. Lord, discouragement. The enemy just uses that weapon to keep us from doing what you've called us to do. The enemy just wants to to hold us back. He's a thief and he, is, he comes to steal, kill, destroy. He comes to deceive. And I just come against that deception in Jesus' name. I pray the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. I pray for a stirring of the Holy Spirit in this place today. That God, you would renew what you are calling. You would renew what you are calling us to. That you would strengthen us, oh God. That you would stir your spirit. You would stir your spirit. Stir us up, oh God. Stir us up, oh God. Stir us up. That, God, we would take on the work. You would adjust our attitude. That we would work, God. We would work, Lord, with an attitude that says we are strong in the Lord. and the power of his might, we will not give up. We will take courage. We will continue what you have called us to do. We will continue, Lord, to prioritize and put you first. Oh, Jesus, bring encouragement, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's Word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.